My name is Dave Hollenbach, the host of From Embers to Excellence. My goal is to explore the many facets of leadership from the perspectives of some amazing people. In addition to leadership, I like to discuss mental health, PTSD, and overcoming adversity. If you have a favorite episode, I would love to hear about it. Message me through social media or my website, and I will share some free tools to help you achieve your goals. Please like, subscribe, and leave a review. If you haven't purchased your copy of my book, Fireproof, please grab a copy today. Thanks for listening. Today, I'm speaking with Vicki Lanthier. She is a speaker, author, veteran, and entrepreneur with lived experience working through adversities such as trauma, burnout, and identity struggles. In 2020, she completed a Bachelor of Science in Nursing Honors Program from the University of Ottawa. She's currently working on her first book, which will help readers realize that they are capable of controlling the narrative and creating a well-lived life, no matter what adversity life brings their way. Her background in the military, as well as being an avid traveler, professional consultant, and creative entrepreneur inform her inclusive and mindful approach. And we're going to talk about uh, not only her book and her her military service, but um, really what a lot of people know her uh, for is Girl Gone Good. And you can Google that and read all about it. I'm sure after hearing her her talk about it today, uh, a lot of people are going to want to Go check it out. So, um, Vicky, thank you so much for joining me today and uh, for you know allowing me to have this conversation with you. I'm excited to be here. Thanks, Dave. Yeah. Well, let's start off with where it all began. Um, where were you born and raised, and what was life like for you growing up? Uh, so, I am from Ottawa, Ontario, Canada, and I grew up in a small town and uh, didn't really have any aspirations. Like, you know, when the little little kids, you wanna be a fireman when you grow up or you wanna be a doctor or you wanna be a farmer or whatever you wanna be. I didn't really know where I was going until one day my little brother came home. He decided to join army cadets and he came home and he was bragging about how he got to shoot things and he got to do all these cool things. And I was the older sister and as the older sister, I couldn't let that little shit, be, you know, one up me like that. So I joined Army Cadets the next day and he quit within two weeks and I stayed and I joined the military from there. And that kind of catapulted uh, my career and life. And so for uh, Americans listening, the Army Cadets is what we have here is ROTC and we have uh, the sea cadets. Um, And actually I was a sea cadet and did the foreign exchange swap with the the Canadian sea cadets. And actually I got to go to Nova Scotia and experience Canada or a little piece of Canada. It was pretty cool experience. Yeah, it's beautiful up there. For us, uh, cadets is that program for 12 to 18 year olds. Usually the the starting gate getting into the military, but it definitely focuses on building kids' confidence and capabilities. Uh, so for me, I, I joined at like 14. And from there, 
ended up going into the reserves and then the regular force. How many years did you actually do active? In the military, 14. And what did you do in there? So I was a communication specialist, I guess would be the equivalent. Um, over the years, it went from radios to satellites, and then we got into computers, and I decided computers wasn't quite my thing. <laughs> I really liked the radios and the satellites. Um, but for someone in communications, it was very, the opportunities were very diverse for us. We deployed, we, we had lots of opportunity for deployments and support. And, um, you know, if you wanted to go parachuting or if you wanted to go support up north or if you wanted to do all these different things, but just the opportunities were there for us. So I, that's why I picked them. And, and when you got out, you didn't really get out. You stayed <laughs> sort of. I mean, uh, can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, there's a running joke that once you work at defense, you just stay at defense for forever. Um, so I got out, wanted to, you know, be my own person. And um, somehow that meant consulting back for defense, which I've been doing now for almost as long as I've been in the military. I've been out um, as an IT consultant for D&D up here. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the inspiration behind Girl Gone Good. Yeah, so I started that when I got out of the military because I just needed something and IT consulting was, was starting, but I it actually started out as a smoothie blog, which is kind of funny and turned into a hiking resource, like a local hiking resource website. And it turned into what I needed. It turned into community. It turned into a way to pay it forward. Um, I ended up writing a local trail book for here and ended up don donating 100% of the proceeds to either mental health or conservation charities. So for me, it was the outlet that I was missing after leaving the military and I just created my own community. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, talk a little bit about the the hiking resources because when we, we talked before, I mean, I really had no idea uh, about, you know, the, the hiking trails and how up there, there really wasn't any resources like maps and stuff like that. So there there is a lot, it's just spread out. So. For us, there wasn't a, there's not a one-stop shop to look for trail information up here because all the trails are, like the trail managers are either at different levels of government or sometimes they're public lands open to, or sorry, private lands open to the public, or maybe it's a land trust. So they all have their own sites and trail maps and trail information, but it's not standardized and it's not in one location. So for the region, we got stuck always hiking the same trails and those trails would um, suffer the consequences of having so many people go on them all the time. And I thought, well, that can't be right because I know that we have a million other trails available to us. So that's what I did. I just wandered the countryside and the internet and compiled that list and, and tried to spread people out while teaching responsible recreation. Let's talk about your book and, and what inspired you to write your book. 
to segue from 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 nature to the to the book what i love about going out hiking and being out to nature is probably the same thing that everybody else loves like when we're in our everyday lives it's a big life it's a busy life it's a noisy life and sometimes we get lost in it but if you go into nature everything is calm the noise goes away we have clarity we feel connected and it's just um it's rejuvenating for the soul and our well-being and i feel like that's what gives us the energy to come back to this busyness of the everyday um so through that i wanted to write a book it took me years to figure out that maybe i could write a book <laughs> i think we we all have a good book in us um and i want really want to write a book the core message of the book is that adversity isn't running the show you are and i wanted to write a book for people who want to live a big life but feel like they can't catch a break amongst the busyness and the noise in the everyday and create a space and permission for them to take control back in their own lives against adversity that um, adverse events don't stop us um, that there's a way to digest it and there's a way to get through it and that it's a part of life it's not one or the other you're not stuck in well-being or you're not stuck in adversity. It's both. And that's what creates your big life. Can you talk a little bit about the, the structure of your book and, and what it is that um, your primary focus is and, and who you're writing the book for? Yeah. So I really am writing for everyone that wants to live a big life, but feels oh, like I'm they sorry. can't break, right? Yeah. No, that's okay. We'll go back to that. <laughs> Um, but the structure of the book, so, you know, when you go to the mountains and it's the same thing, I just like almost what I just said about hiking, but when we go to the mountains, everything goes away. And for the military folks in your audience, when you go on deployment, everything washes away and we're just focused on the here and now, whether it's five feet in front of us or the trail in front of us and the environment around us. And we feel very grounded and connected to the here and now. The book in dealing with adversity, I'm looking at what I call a concept of radical reduction. And it's really giving people permission to dial back down to zero in order to deal with your current adversity and then purposely build back up afterwards. And a good example, a very simple example, if I took an overloaded calendar, which we all have, we're all booked in five minute increments. You wanna see your best friend, you've got to schedule it for two weeks from now at Tuesday at 2 p.m. Um, if that's overwhelming and causing you stress, start with a blank calendar, give yourself permission, take everything off the slate, except for what's absolutely necessary and redefine what's necessary and build back up from there. If you're going through a financial crisis, give yourself permission to maybe do something about your living arrangements, to sell what you have in your house, to seek help from organizations that maybe you would feel too proud to seek help from. And, um, and to just allow yourself to reconnect, purposely build back up. And then we could work on the things to prepare for the next adversity. Um, I really feel nowadays that we don't have, or we don't allow ourselves to have a buffer in life. We're all operating on our max, our max in everything. If you look at the um, eight dimensions of well-being, with its finances and 
social and our health and our occupations were all maxed out everywhere. And there's no buffer for when things go wrong. And it just fries us and we're stuck in a bad place. So I want to give people the tools to deal with whatever adversity they're dealing with now and then create this big, beautiful buffer. So when it happens again, they have that space to deal with it. I, I want to talk a little bit more about your personal experience. Um, you know, you talk a little, little bit about adversity and trauma and, you know, there, there's been some life events that you've experienced that have shaped who you are and really this path that you're on. Do you share any of that in your book? I do. I do. I share um, some of that within the, the stories with the readers. I, um, you know, the military always makes for a colorful, a colorful life. Um, so I experienced my first mass casualty when I was 21. But even before that, while I was in cadets, I witnessed my first plane crash and had our response to that. And I think that I was 18. When I was 20, I was in a vehicle accident with a tank and smashed my face in and had to deal with that. And then by 21, I had my first mass casualty and um, my first child death as well in that mass casualty. And then it just seemed to go from there. So I had three other deployments after that initial deployment with the mass casualty. And the experiences um, grew from from there. Um, and now, and yeah. how you define mass casualty incident? Anywhere? Well, I mean, there because there's levels. There is, yeah. So I think that the proper definition is whenever the demand exceeds the resources and abilities, right, mm -hmm. for an emergency situation. My first mass casualty was in East Timor, um, where there was four of us to deal with 30 people who went over a cliff in a vehicle that lost its brakes. Yeah, so um, it was a very interesting response. We had all, it was a very dynamic situation. We were thankful to only actually lose two people out of the 30. So that was, that was a good outcome. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's how I would define it. That was when you were serving in, 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 the, in the army, right? In the army. Yeah. So that was my first deployment, my first time being away at home, my first, like everything. Um, very interesting. What, I, what I've come to have a lot of gratitude for is how much those early experiences have shaped my life today. And it almost coming full circle that now that's what I'm speaking about. Now that's what I'm writing about is, you know, adversity and well-being. So it's really interesting how one little moment in time, 20 some years ago, could actually shape your life later. Um, and I, I really try sticking to pre preventative and, and talking about preventative action, mostly because I just lucked out. I lucked out very early on with my experiences and how people nudged me along my way. 
that I've never had to deal with PTSD or severe mental health struggles or anything of that nature. So sometimes there's a disconnect with my fellow veterans because I don't have the same experience that they have post-event. So I can't always connect there, but I can connect on, on the actual event. So I try to focus on preventative. So if I had someone, I had a crusty old sergeant when I had my face smashed in and he just nudged me and he said, you know, I really think you should go to psych. First of all, that was the late 1990s. Nobody was about mental health in the 1990s. Um, but for some reason, he decided to suggest that to me. And I have been a firm believer in, in therapy and psych. And I go on my own once a year, just like I get my teeth checked or you know, my annual physical. And it's been a saving grace. That's interesting. It just, um, you know how they always say like the series of misfortunate events? I feel like I had the series of misfortunate events with the right nudges along the way and the right people to guide me along the way. Other than therapy, are, are there tools that you coach people on to as preventative measures? Yeah, so right now I became an accidental speaker. <laughs> And that's, that's where I look at those preventative tools and sharing that with everyone. A few years ago, I ended up writing a blog post about my first mass casualty experience. And I wrote it on the Girl Gone Good website, and I now have it on my second site. And when I wrote it, uh, there was a little bit of like that, I'm going to be sick, that nauseous feeling in you because you're sharing something vulnerable. And when I wrote it, I wrote it as my 21-year-old self. So it's not big fancy words, it's not nothing. I just wrote it very raw and, and published it. And I woke up the next day to it going around the world. It got shared in the UK and Australia and in the States and North American Rescue picked it up and, and shared it. And that told me that perhaps I should be sharing more. And it just stayed there for a while. Until, until um, events in the States started picking up. It's really unfortunate. We used to think, let me backtrack a little. We used to think that MCIs and big tra tragic events were things that happened overseas. Or maybe like you and your profession, firefighters would experience. But they weren't for the everyday person. But the reality is they are now for the everyday person, especially in the States. We have shootings all the time. We have bombings. We have really unfortunate events that are popping up more than ever. Then someone reached out to me and said, hey, I'm looking for someone to talk about mass casualty incidents that can talk about it because it's very hard to find people that can talk about it and that are willing to talk about not the mechanics of the event because we're all trained for the mechanics of the event but how do we mitigate those negative impacts on ourselves prior and after the event? And that's the portion that I like talking to. So like uh, you were saying, like therapy is absolutely one of the things. Um, there are a few other tools and resources that I have within that talk. And I give the participants 
a handout afterwards that they could take home and, and do those exercises and prepare themselves. If I could communicate anything, if you'll let me share an analogy on how I feel adversity is or how I see adversity. And this is what I, I want more people to understand or appreciate so that they start taking their own, their own action against it. If we think about, it's an odd analogy, so just bear with me. But if you think about adversity, like swallowing a red balloon, it's super uncomfortable, it hurts, and it's there, it's stuck in you. But you kind of get used to it. Maybe you start turning on the fan to sleep at night. Maybe you stop seeing certain people because they bother you. It's still there. And then the next adversity comes and air fills in the balloon and it gets more uncomfortable. So you start accommodating more for that stress. And maybe you stop dancing at parties. Maybe you stop going to parties altogether. Maybe you decide that staying home is the best. And then the next adversity comes and the air fills even more. And you're like, oh, I'm even more uncomfortable. Now I'm going to start sleeping on my side only. And we keep making these adjustments as more adversities and stress compound on our system. And we do this not realizing that there's a way to let the air out of the balloon. And the balloon's never going to go away. Those adversities and trauma are going to stay with us. But we can let the air out of the balloon. And there's a lot of fear. If I let the air out, if I go to therapy um, or talk to friends or go to a peer support program or go to my health professional, God, that they're going to notice that the air is coming out of the balloon. It might hurt me. What are people going to think of that? Is there going to be like, there's all these thoughts that are preventing us from doing that. And I really wish that we would um, embrace more those strategic either coping or um, healing, I'm not saying the word right, but those mechanisms to healing so that we could live with that red balloon that's in us all and avoid that compounding effect of being more and more uncomfortable and having to cope and more and more. Yeah, I've never heard that analogy with the, with no, the balloon. That's, that's mine. <laughs> <laughs> that's mine, but it's, it's how my mind works. Um, with it and it just gives that visual I think it gives an app, app visual that it's it's with us but we could do something about it the the one that I've heard and used is you know as a child you, you know you got a backpack that's your first trauma next trauma is you, know, you put a rock in there and as you go through life and you don't deal with those traumas, you're just piling rocks into that bag. And if you don't address those traumas, eventually that, that bag is going to bust open. And, you know, when all that spills out, it has the potential to ruin your life. It does. Yeah. It's, it's like a bull in a china shop when we whether you take the rocks out and dump them or let the air out of the balloon, it, instead of just taking one rock out, out at a time or letting a little air out at a time. Yeah, I, I was imagining the balloon and if you don't address it, uh, it's gonna pop 
and <laughs> I'm like imagining an aneurysm. Yeah. Well, it's yeah, yeah. And it, it sounds to me like you've been able to use hiking as an outlet as well. Absolutely. And with that community, have you been able to help other veterans? I've hosted a few hikes for um, some of our veteran organizations up here. And I've also been on a um, backpacking excursion for veterans through Outward Bound. But I really find... There's something beautiful for folks going through just trauma or crisis or adverse events. There's something wonderful about A, having nature as an ingredient and B, that peer-to-peer safe support. And there's some really wonderful magic that happens when you're in that safe environment, removed from everything and in nature. I think that's when we're we're able to to open up and let the air out a little more. For for those listening that that want to stay connected and you know follow you on social media and uh, you know stay connected so they know when they can buy your book um what's the best place for people is, is it your website yeah there's the the website which is my name with my middle initial vicky m com, or um on instagram is where i'm, I'm most active or linkedin both under Vicky M. Lotzier. Well, I will have those links in the show notes. And I just really want to thank you for sharing so much with us today and best of luck on, on your book. And I'm sure it's going to be amazing. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to this episode of From Embers to Excellence. Please visit hollenbachleadership.com for additional content. And don't forget to like, subscribe, and leave a review.